Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 414, and today we'll be talking about Family Fishing Trip and Bizarre Bizarre from Amphibia. I'm GC13. And I'm David. <laughs> Should we summarize? Family Fishing Trip, where Hop Pop takes Sylvia out for the Planter Family Fishing Trip, and uh, unfortunately for poor Sprig... Baby, baby frog gets sad. That sad baby frog has to share his hot pop with someone else, but she turns out to be a super cool lady and completely forgives him for accidentally almost getting her killed. (laughs) Ah, she wasn't that close. Sylvia can take care of herself. (sighs) Did you see the way she smashed that crab's teeth in? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Anyway, we have a second episode Bizarre Bizarre, where there is a night market in Amphibia as well. It comes around once a year. You need a special invitation, and if somebody steals stuff from you and puts it on the prize wall, you just have to accept that. Anne tries to talk to somebody about the music box that she's been carrying around, but unfortunately for her, she runs afoul of the prize wall rule and uh, has to try and fail to win the backpack back in a death race. Or... That's the only thing I can call it. Luckily, it turns out she only lost the backpack to Hop Pop, who returns her Calamity box just in time for her to give it back to him, to bury, I mean, talk to his friends about. Uh, I, one, I love that there are not one but two twists regarding Hop Pop at the end of Bizarre Bizarre. I also like that uh, this pair of episodes, you know, Amphibia very frequently actually thematically pairs... It's episodes in some way, which is just not common for 11-minute cartoons. But, um, yeah, like, Sprig becomes closer to Hop-Hop, and the Bizarre Bizarre starts the very beginning of what will eventually be a a, a very detrimental decision for Hop-Hop for his relationship with Anne. So, you know, (laughs) two, two completely different ends on that, with so much fun in between. Like, okay, first of all, there are very few, you know, sparingly placed songs in Amphibia, but I can't get a, like, I'm so glad they give Sprig songs, and his Baby Baby Frog song was comedically used perfectly. Like, the once he started rolling up the ladder that was supposed to allow Sylvia back in the boat, uh, once he, you know, <laughs> reneged on his decision to, he's like, you know, maybe I won't do this really childish, immature thing. Then, yeah, maybe I'm taking this too far. <laughs> and then he <laughs> he uses the song to justify it. That was the moment that made the song all worth it for me. When he uh, <laughs> comes back and starts pulling the ladder up even faster than before, singing about this baby baby frog is sad. So, yeah, I mean, you it's perfect because it first scores him a little bit of empathy points, and then big comedy, and then again uh, when Sylvia, you know, hears him singing again, like. It's uh, it, it's sweet. So it was perfect. And then also, I think maybe he reprises it one more time at the end, but then just gets hit with uh, some slime from Polly. Yep. Chum Bob! <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sylvia is an aggressively cool lady. And I just, I don't know. There's just something about um, Hot Pop being a love-struck little kid again. That's just kind of adorable. This man usually has it all together, but he's so smitten with her. Yeah, but it brings out the funniest parts of him, too. Like his little captain's outfit, you know, ahoy there, (laughs) he says to Uh, no one in particular. 
Yeah, Hop Pop's fishing for something else. <laughs> okay, they got a few like pretty uh pretty big lines in here. Like one that fishing for something else line, but then also in the in the second episode, Sprig pulls out tongue him. I hardly know him, which is like how did that pass Disney censors? That is um like I'm just imagining. I think one part of a censor's job would be like if a kid repeated it to their parent with the parent posted on social media, like claiming that the show is horrible for children. And that that's one I would have repeated a lot as a kid. <laughs> so. uh, uh, I, I love how they had a blue shell in that race and they even had a, a joke about, well, that didn't seem balanced. But if that was a blue shell, I have a question. Where did Hop Pop get that blue shell? As far as I can tell, he was in the lead the entire time. And you don't get blue shells if you're in the lead. You only get, uh, what is it, green shells and banana peels. Well, you know, uh, one, Hop Hop is just on top of his game right now, right? He's got got a, a woman on his arms. Uh, you know, he's five steps ahead of Ann and Sprig going to the Bazaar Bazaar. So, you know, he's just going to be handy. But if, it, if it's playing by modern Mario Kart rules, actually, depending on, it, it's not if you're just in second place or seventh place or whatever. It's actually how far away you are from the person in first place that determines what kind of item you get. However, Hop Pop wasn't nearly as far away as was you have in to be. first place. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he wasn't behind at all. So, uh, so I mean, look if if you're gonna say that he bought it with a microtransaction, just say it. They're carnies. We know they sell. Uh, <laughs> we know they do pay to win here. But also, I mean, this one played pretty hard by cartoon logic because. Also, where on earth did he get that, like, incredibly realistic outfit from to uh, pretend to be, you know, some giant buff frog? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, man, if he's a failed actor, I want to see their successful actors. Like, holy cow. (laughs) That's right, he pretty much nails the the gruff, bizarre, bizarre attendee. Like, at no point does the show do anything but imply that, like, this was legit a persona he carried on for years and then put on the back burner. Ha! Because people know him! That's true! There's nothing to imply that he's impersonating a known character. This is, like, this has always been Hot Pop. That's, I mean, one, connected to his acting career is, is true and incredible. But yeah, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he has this outfit been in his closet the whole time. So strange. I I do love how there's a death race at the Bizarre Bazaar. You know, you could add Whack-A-Mole where you were fighting actual angry moles, but they surprised us. (laughs) Yeah, uh, overall, like, just the concept that this thing pops up once a year is uh, fun, but they, uh... You know, they didn't have that much time to lean into the mystery of it. It's just like one of those millions of other weird things that happens in, in Amphibia. Uh, you want to talk mystery. Right, exactly. What was Sprig paying for all of that food with? Not what I thought you were going to point out. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes. Depending on plot, I guess sometimes cartoons will say either, oh, they can just get whatever they want, or oh, they don't have money, of course. That has to be a plot point. But, uh, you know, they just got to eat food. No, I thought the mystery you're going to point out was uh, the, the mysterious vendor who you know, <laughs> has a parrot and a name that we both continue to forget. I looked her up. It is Valeriana. Yes. Yeah, so that was... I uh, love her character design. Yeah. Short, short appearance, yet just like she's just this total 
fully embodied character that, you know, delivers her one mysterious line. Is she the one we're looking for? Followed up immediately by breaking the... <laughs> Don't puke the on the carpet! Yeah, with a parrot. But, uh, yeah, and then we just won't see her for another season, so that's good. <laughs> Amphibia can pull the classic, uh, the classic trope of some character saying something weird and <laughs> then, you know, not acting on it. One episode per season, if the wiki is to be believed. Yeah. But I, at least when I first watched the show, I'd for- completely forgotten about this character by the next time she showed up. So, you know, this time you'll remember. <laughs> when, I say, when I say a season, I do mean almost 40 full episodes. It's not like she shows up early in season two. Yeah. Like, it's a little cornier of a, um, you know, sort of, I, I wouldn't even say lore, just like, plot beat you know to introduce this character and then have absolutely no use for her again so to me when she comes back it's a little weaker because it's like she only got uh a a minute two minutes of screen time and it wasn't very important to the primary characters at all so it's neat that and they'll they'll do this a lot in season three all these uh you know season one episodes primarily just give you like a sense of the characters but they, they do try to like reuse Pretty much every episode, like either a character or a, or a threat or just, you know, anything. And that's, that's cool. So this is just another example of that. Okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about the bizarre bizarre. I, I want, I, I think we should talk a little bit about family fishing trip because this was one of those episodes that gave me that Babylon 5 feeling that the Babylon 5 writers were so good. At just making you want to scream at your television screen. Will you morons please just sit down and talk to each other? And I kind of wanted to shout that at Sprig. Yeah, no, exclusively Sprig. There is really no other party at fault. I mean, Sylvia could pretty clearly tell that Sprig, you know, was put off. But I guess she was waiting for Sprig to say something. And then, you know, she acted anyway and told Hop Hop, hey, maybe you should hang out with Sprig the rest of the trip. He seems bummed out. Unfortunately, that didn't happen quickly enough for Sprig to, uh, you know, to prevent him from formulating a plan to murder her, <laughs> which was with that little Grinch smile of his. Did you catch? That? Oh, God. Actually, no, I didn't catch that that was specifically copying the Grinch. But you're right. That's so funny because it's hilarious. I haven't gone and compared the two screenshots, but that really makes me think of the. Grinch. Oh, yeah. No, that lip curl is is the Grinch. So, yeah, no, perfect. Analysis. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Sprig. I do love, like, yes, he is a stupid, petty child <laughs> who did not think through his plan of, like, I'm I, I'm upset I didn't get to hang out with my grandfather. I think you should stop living. <laughs> well, to be fair, he didn't know he was sending her off to be dinner. Oh, you think he didn't? I don't think he knew. I think he just wanted to ditch her. Okay, I, I was wondering if he knew that that was a crab creature because of his familiarity with, you know, the, the river from previous trips. But it makes sense that he was just looking to, you know, pull up the ladder, which is still rude. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, after after Hop Hop's like, hey, Sylvia said I should spend some quality time with you. He's like, hey, Hop Hop, no particular reason, but can we turn around? Like, he, <laughs> he wanted to go pick Sylvia back up rather than steaming on forward without her. Yeah, I don't think he thought there was an urgency, just, yeah, we should probably be making progress towards her rather than away from her. And apparently Anne is the only one who cannot paraglide. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think that it's pretty strange that Sprig has a natural talent for paragliding, and uh, apparently Polly can somewhat hold her own, including when the boat isn't even moving, because she just paraglides as the boat still. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't look yeah, that I was, windy. Yeah, I was impressed by that. Yeah, <laughs> I was impressed by that. But uh, yeah, poor Anne spent the most time doing research on YouTube. Uh, also, I don't know if we've heard Anne's mom's voice before, but we do get another, you know, uh, flashback making us aware of her family. <laughs> which is uh, that was that was awesome. No, but she can fold your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic, classic. But mom. can she, Mrs. Boonchoy? Can she really? <laughs> but yeah, I love that they were needed to focus the episode around Sprig and not have him have too much real advice from Anne. So <laughs> instead, she's just uselessly in the sky, occasionally dropping down, you know, literally to, to intervene and give some advice before just being whisked back up by the, you know, animator's hand and by the wind. So that was that was a pretty fun bit. Oh, yeah, they don't show uh, their house getting rebuilt, but this is um, like the second time I think the house has been completely torn to shreds. I don't know if the tulips guy just comes back and rebuilds their house every time. Uh, it yeah, they they put apart. that one in there just for people like me to be like, hey, GC, you really ought not to take this too seriously. <laughs> like, you know, the house is going to be just fine when they come back. Yeah, Amphibia does have that going <laughs> on, doesn't it? I honestly, it kind of reminds me of um, you know. I mean, it's different. Like, OKKO does not have the same type of continuous plot that Amphibia has at at the same gravitas. But uh, it is somewhat similar in its nature of, hey, like, this is solidly a cartoon. So enjoy the characters. Enjoy the fun directions we take the plot. But it is uh, not going to be a rule that is as strict as, say, you know, Avatar, where things really do have to... um, work out for some reason we just have to believe in the physicality of the world more you say the word physicality and yet you claim you don't watch wrestling (laughs) Ah, the physicality of the fight is that what they say i don't know yeah basically it's my father's favorite announcer word he loves it every time they say that (laughs) oh okay so it's really commonly used in announcing that's funny yeah, they'll they'll say it a couple times uh, a night, and it annoys him every single time. <laughs> I had a uh, I had some coworker focused on the fact that I used the word dynamicism uh, a while back, and I just find it really funny when certain words connect with people, and I'm like, <laughs> I think it's just a word. I, do what people don't say dynamicism all the time? I don't know. It's fun though. Okay, guys, we're really gonna need to synergize to up our dynamism level. There is a. There's a lot of physicality. Insert all the buzzwords you can. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not buzzed <laughs> enough. But I, I, the the most random thing, the fact that Anne is flying up there and then getting hit in the face by a bunch of, you know, flying things that are going the opposite direction just makes me think of Winnie the Pooh and the episode Owl Feathers. Although that was poor Owl having an encounter with some ducks, not some disgusting fly creatures. I think Owl got the better end of the deal. <laughs> but uh yeah and didn't suffer emotional damage as a result of the aftermath so <laughs> i guess maybe she did better in the end uh, Anne is honestly pretty hardy it's a good thing that she makes it way for it makes it away from amphibia's world without seemingly any um 
need for a strong need for a therapist, unlike Steven Universe. Yeah. I mean, you you steadfastly refuse to watch the Owl House's uh, second <laughs> half of the second season. It'll be so worth it. Let's just say that there's a uh, like a whole subgenre of fan art where Sasha, of all people, is a therapist for losing her friends. <laughs> Interesting. That I do. I am aware of some plot beats that happen in the episodes I haven't seen. So I know there are some characters who desperately need. Uh, some therapy, but uh, I'm interested in Sasha being the one. So maybe there's a different types of trauma. I don't know. I, I don't know why they hit on Sasha as being the therapist. But oh, there was actually one where she and Steven were both therapists. <laughs> I, I love the pics. They were talking about their respective Boiling Isles clients. Well, see, Sasha makes sense as like a uh, you know hardened villain. I was thinking of. Also, like, what if Zuko was a therapist, but he, uh, he'd <laughs> just be like, that's rough, buddy, you know? <laughs> he wouldn't have much more advice to offer. <sighs> yeah, if my, if my girlfriend turned into the moon, I, I wouldn't go cry on Zuko's shoulders. <laughs> he tries his best. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Family Fishing Trip and Bizarre Bizarre. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>